I was thinking about the power decline in attendance. And perhaps they have eliminated a certain kind of fan. Some people take their kids. It's family to them. Those people aren't going to stop going. Some people enjoy the ballpark, the food, the visual. Those people aren't going to stop going to power games. But some people are competitive, and they care if the home team wins. And now the perception has finally sunk in. In fact, it's reality, not perception. It's finally sunk in that winning is not a priority with ownership, and they will not pursue winning with any sort of consistency or dedication. So maybe that type of fan is gone. At Steeler Games and Penguin Games, you see fans who sweat the result. People who are euphoric if they win and leave mad if they lose. I bet those people very rarely go to Pirate Games. I think the Pirates have lost that kind of fan. Sick again, brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Mike Pursuta joins me at the bottom of the hour. I should do, he's a friend of mine, so I'm not making fun of him when I say this, but Ron Cook on the B team always says free phone Friday. And I, I do sometimes make fun of that nuance a little bit because that's such easy radio. That's call up and talk about whatever you want to talk about. You're the fan. You run the show. We're here for you, and I'm not here for you. I'm I'm here for the paycheck and to entertain myself. And to say anything else would sound hypocritical coming out of my mouth, which is why I can't do Free Phone Friday, because I don't believe in Free Phone Friday. That said, I could use a call or two because, well, the World Cup game's over, so I don't have to pay attention as much to the TV. Uh, Getting back to that pirate attendance thing, do you think pirates have chased away the fans who compete? You know what I mean by fans who compete. People who, like, throw stuff at their TV if the team loses, who storm out mad if, in the third inning, for example, the home team trails 8-0. Have the Pirates lost that kind of fan? The family outing people, the enjoy the ballpark people, gee, what a view people, they're not going to stop going. But the competitive people, I mean, if you want to win, why would you go if you can't? And and if you're competitive and want to win... You might go if you have, and steps are being made where you could again. But that's not what's going on at PNC Park. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, Jeff Skinner, the Carolina winger, is reportedly going to move, and three teams are interested. Jeff Skinner is 26, not old. 5'11", 200 pounds. I think he's lying about that. I think he's smaller than that. He's had a number of good seasons for Carolina. This past season wasn't one of his better. 24 goals, 25 helpers, minus 27. Odds, bodkins, that's horrible. Had 37 goals the year before that, 28 the year before that, 18 the year before that, 13, 20, 31. A bit up and down, but Jeff Skinner could score. 
But don't the Penguins already have enough guys like him? Do they need another fancy, schmancy, finesse player? Do they need a guy who I think is just a better Connor Sherry? A much better Connor Sherry, but that type of player nonetheless. Not putting a guy down. Not going to run him out of town if they get him. I just wonder if that's the kind of player the Penguins need. Your thoughts? I, I don't think anything's imminent. Uh, Skinner is signed only through this next season, and he costs six million bucks. That's his ticket. So uh, they'd have to clear some space. And you see, that's where it worries me. They might trade a Mata because you, you trade Mata, you open that cap space, you bring in Skinner. You think Alexiak can be a top four, but he can't. Alexiak can't be a top four. Alexiak is closer to a seven than he is a four. Skinner also has a no-trade clause, but I think that uh, very few players would invoke their no-trade clause to avoid playing in Pittsburgh. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, The Jameis Winston story is, uh, I don't want to say it's hilarious, it kind of sucks. But uh, he's going to get suspended three games. That's the word. That's the Tampa Bay quarterback uh, for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. He had some kind of uh, semi-violent incident with an Uber driver. Jameis Winston, dating back to his college career at Florida State, has been accused of sexual assault, of stealing crab legs at a supermarket, of yelling obscenities in public, and now this. He's every bit as versatile as the Scots said he'd be. And that's not funny. It's sad. It's why I hate football. I mean, what do I have in common with that guy? Let's go to uh, Jared in South Hills. Jared, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Terrific. Hey, I wanted to talk about Matt Hunter, but real quick on Jeff Skinner. Uh, I think he's more like a poor man, Phil Kessel. And I just don't think we need that player on the team right now. So I definitely agree with you. I I would pass on him. Well, I think sure. he's a rich man's Connor Sherry, but 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 let us share the opinion that uh, they just don't need that type of player. They don't need another one of those. Right, and I agree on that. Um, so getting back to Matt Hunwick, uh, one of the great things about Jim Rutherford is that he seems very willing to kind of, kind of swallow his pride when he makes a mistake on a deal uh, or a signing. Yeah, if Jim makes a mistake, he owns it and corrects it, and and bravo for that, yeah. Right, and I think that's definitely admirable for a GM to have that trait. Um, so I think he's trying to, to trade Hunwick. The problem is, how do you trade someone with negative value? Um, I well, think the only way again, what I keep draft. coming back to, he played well in Toronto, and they don't have any good defensemen beyond uh, their, their top couple. I mean, Ron Hainsey was the number two, so there you have it. But uh, they don't want to pay Hunwick with the Penguins paid him, obviously, or they would have kept him. So I don't know if Toronto is a likely landing spot or not. Uh, by the way, even though Hunwick played very poorly in most games for the Penguins, I don't feel like he got enough of a chance either. I think given chance, he would have been better than Chad Ruedel, for God's sakes. Right. I mean, injuries, they definitely played a part in his season. But I think it was also clear when he was healthy that he wasn't a fit. But my thought is, you know, does maybe Jim Rutherford offer up uh, for a team who's looking to trade up tomorrow to the second or third round, maybe that 59th or 64th pick, maybe drop down into the 80s to try to 
sweeten the pot for Hunwick. Maybe maybe that's a way he can help to get rid of him. Uh, perhaps, but, the, but I don't know many thought. teams that would covet the 59th pick. Although, sometimes they do. Uh, if a guy they have in their top 20 slipped on to 59, that's when you get a team to, to trade up. But that's a very unlikely scenario. Let's go to Matt Imperial. Da-da-da-da, Imperial. Hey, Mark, it's Bart. Oh, Matt Bartkowski. Yeah, what's up? Oh, it's free agent defenseman Matt Bartkowski unexpectedly <laughs> calling the show. What a treat yeah, this hey. is. What's going on? Well, Kevin Paulus is getting married tomorrow. I was seeing if you want to get a beer tonight and maybe talk him out of it. Uh, at the usual spot, the late night spot? Correct. I'll see you there. All right, sounds good. See you, Mark. <laughs> I'm booking my social life on the show. That's tremendous. Free agent defenseman Matt Bartkowski. I should have asked him where he was going. Actually, I'm pretty sure that he kind of knows, but uh, don't forget July 1st. Let's not blow it. Let's go to Austin and McKeesport. Austin, you're on with the super genius. Hey, what's up, Mark? What up? Uh, so about Tavares and the Islanders, the future for them. I wanted to uh, talk about them simply because do you, really, do you think the Islanders are going to make it in the playoffs anytime soon, like in your opinion about it? Uh, that's a good question, Austin. Uh, well, the Penguins and Caps, I think, are locks next year to make the playoffs in the Metro, right? Yeah. And let's say that five teams come out of the Metro again with, with both wild cards, okay? Yeah. Who do the Islanders have to beat out? Uh, Philadelphia made it last year. I think the Islanders could catch Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're better than Carolina, clearly. They're better than the New York Rangers, oh, yeah. clearly. Oh, yeah. Uh, could they catch Columbus? I think they could catch Columbus, don't you? Yeah, I mean, Columbus comes with it. And, um, you know, Columbus is that one team that usually don't expect to see it come after second round or nothing. So if the Islanders, you know, if they can pull off that against the... Well, they the have team, to keep Tavares. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's what I also said. If Trotz makes that decision to trade him, there could be a huge gap. Oh, not to trade team. Tavares. Tavares is a free agent. They have to talk him into staying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, but they I got Barzal, they got Beauvillier, the uh, the left wing. They got some guys. I mean, oh, yeah, they got, I'm, uh, I'm not dismissing them. Yeah, they're they're weak in the back, no goalie. Maybe I am dismissing them, but yeah. uh, but but I think that uh, I think that there's teams they can they can catch. I don't yeah. think it'll be the Penguins or Caps. I think there are teams they can catch, and it yeah. makes a really tough division all the tougher. Let's go to Mike in the car. Mike, very quickly, you're on with Double M. Hi, Double M. What up? Yeah, um, so speaking upon the uh, competitive uh, Pirates fans, uh, I do think they lost them. Um, I think a lot of these cities that get these ballparks built for them should have some kind of language in the stipulation to keep a competitive team. What are your thoughts on that? Wait, language in the stadium lease? When, when they built these stadiums for these teams. Yeah, they're never they going to do that. And it's not in the current one, so it doesn't make a difference. Correct. But, yes, I do think that the competitive fan is gone in Pittsburgh. Well, no, for the Pirates. Yes. Yeah, I think the people who sweat the result that really live or die with the final score have stopped going. It's too frustrating for them. Yes, I have a friend that has season tickets, and he just he just doesn't make go to maybe 15%, 20% of his games. Well, when I go to sit in the Cambria Club... I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm paying attention to the game because I love the sport of baseball, which people don't believe. But I keep a scorecard and really get into it. But I don't sweat the result. And I, I sit there and I look around. People in general aren't sweating the result. I'm up there with the rich people, and we're just you know drinking fine wine and in my case, uh, Tito's and orange juice and gourmet yeah. food. But I look in the stands and people are mostly trying to jump around and get foul balls and get on the jumbotron. 
I think the days of throwing beers is gone. Okay, your phone's fading, and so are the Pirates. 412-333-9939. In just a moment, I want to continue that conversation. Have the fans who sweat the results stop going to Pirate games. The fans who want to win. Fans want to win. Some of them very deeply want to win. Some fans, the pursuit of winning is the only thing that keeps them interested. Are those the fans who have stopped going? Are those the fans who have led to a 50% drop in Pirate attendance? Back to 2015. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. The Pirate lineup is in. Sean Rodriguez starts in left field. Because the lefty's pitching. And the metrics proved that despite him hitting whatever it is, 150, 160-something, against left-handed pitchers in a slight rain at twilight at home, if the grass is cut to the proper length, He's a great player. Clint Hurdle should just take the lineup card to home plate, throw it on the ground, and just urinate on it. I think that would eliminate the middleman. The Pirates are just a lame, meaningless situation. Meadows is playing tonight. He's in right field. I guess Polanco's on the bench. Meadows was 3 for 4 last night. He's hitting 340. He's done great since coming up from AAA. He should play every night. He's a guy the fans can actually get excited about. And that's a good enough reason to play him right there. In the Post-Gazette today, there was a column saying that Bob Nutting is the face of the Pirates. And that's bad. I don't know if that's true. It is bad if it is true. But why not let this Meadows kid play every night and see if the fans respond to him? I mean, you're not concerned about winning anyway. You are concerned about money. So why not play the guy who might sell a few extra tickets because he's exciting to watch, because he can hit, because ain't nobody pays to see Sean Rodriguez. Actually, that's not true. I would pay to see him screw up. Like last night, he ended up at shortstop somehow. Simple ground ball, throws it into the dugout like a bad Little League shortstop. Just brutal. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, I want to talk a, a little soccer. Actually, I'd like to talk a lot of soccer, but I know how you Philistines feel about that. Uh, I was watching the Brazil game this morning. You know what's amazing? I keep trying to check. I'm, I'm going to take a moment here. I want to look at the box score from last night's Pirates game. So instead of making small talk, to cover up for the fact that I'm not paying attention to what I'm saying, and, and like typing in the wrong web address like 10 times. I tried to type in MLB.com. I got a website in Sweden that can fix my fence. I swear to God. So let me type in MLB.com. Okay, come a little faster. Okay, let's go to scores from yesterday. Okay, we got those. Let's go down and find the pirate box. We're clicking on that. And let's see exactly what Sean Rodriguez did last night. Sean Rodriguez came in the game late. He was 0 for 1, made one error. And he's now hitting 157. And he's in the starting lineup tonight. Anyway, soccer. I'm watching the Brazil game this morning. Uh, they won 2-0 with two goals in stoppage time to beat Costa Rica. Uh, we talked yesterday about the culture of certain games. 
like football with the dancing after nearly any successful play, and baseball with the trading of HBPs and breaking up the double play, and hockey with fighting. It's all stupid, but that's how it is. And of course in soccer, it's the diving. It's the flopping. I don't complain. I don't like it either. But it's simply how it is. But wow, uh, the guy on Brazil, their best player, Neymar, it's too much. He gets fouled a lot, but he flops even more. Now, the World Cup is using VAR, Video Assistant Referee, replay, just on PK decisions and on severe fouls that could lead to red or yellow cards. And boy, they execute the reviews in lightning speed inside a minute, Hockey and football could take a lesson there. Uh, Neymar, by the way, uttered a homophobic slur on camera during the game against Costa Rica. Uh, I doubt he gets disciplined. And if he doesn't, then don't tell the Mexican fans they can't yell the same word. Either apply it to everybody or don't apply it at all. Let's go to Joe in the car. Joe, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon. Hey, I just want to call you because I am one of those fans that used to have season tickets, um, and I dropped them when the Pirates became uncompetitive uh, back when they got rid of Leland, and then I reinstituted my season tickets when they started to turn around here in the last few years, but also gave them up again for the same reason. I'm, I agree with you 100%. Um, I grew up, I think, probably the same age as you. So when you go to a game, you want to win. That That competitive aspect is a big part of it for you then. That's the only reason. And every now and then, like I went to the game last year. We went to two games last year. One of the games was the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers when a guy threw the basically the no-hitter, the perfect game, just by dumb luck. I mean, we just took a bunch of, I took a bunch of kids just to go to a game, but that was a dumb luck game, just to say we went to a ball game. But I want to see him win every, every night. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Up next from the DV Morning Show, we're going to talk Steelers and Penguins with Mike Pursuta, 105.9. Joining me now, he is the sports director at DVE. You can hear him on the morning show with Randy Bauman and crew. A pleasure to welcome aboard Mike Pursuta. Uh, Triv, Steelers training camp is five weeks away. When's Le'Veon Bell going to show up? I know it's a cliched question, but I find myself wondering if it will be as late as it was last year at the last minute. Yeah, I assume it would be. Uh, my best guess would be however many days it is until the Wednesday before the first game. Maybe the Monday before the first game. But I don't, I don't think uh, St. Vincent will see his shadow. And he goes right to the starting lineup, same as last year, right? I would assume, unless uh, you know he shows up totally out of shape or uh, – unaware of what's going on. I don't think they're going to make very many changes offensively, so I think option B is unlikely. And uh, If nothing else, he loves to post videos about how hard he's working out and what great shape he's in. So, yeah, I think it's going to play out kind of the same way it was a year ago. Uh, he probably won't be featured as much as he wants. He'll probably pout about it. They'll beat the Browns uh, despite that. And uh, everything will probably settle in around week three or week four. Yeah, I tend to think you're correct, but he did get off to a slow start last year. Uh, did showing up late have much to do with that, or is that just coincidence? No, I think it had something to do with it. Uh, I think there's something to be said for timing. 
and uh, the cliched football shape angle. You know, you can you can run a marathon, but is that prepare you to to beat the Brownies? Um, I, I think um, you know, not being in training camp assures he won't get hurt playing football, but it doesn't necessarily prepare him as well as uh, being there otherwise would be. And I, I wonder going into this year, Mark, they kind of got away with it last year. I don't think it's the ideal way to prepare for a season to skip everything and then show up when the season starts. And after that slow start, he posted numbers. Um, you know, it wasn't the offense's fault that they lost to Jacksonville. But uh, I wonder if that lightning will strike again or if this isn't the year that something happens in week two or three, uh, a nagging hamstring injury, an ankle, something along those lines that uh, winds up really affecting his season. Well, right, because he's not in football shape. I find myself wondering, too, Triff, how do Bell's teammates really feel about the path he's chosen. I think maybe the first time around, it might have been okay. It's business. That's his business. But I wonder if the feeling changes the second time around. You know, I don't think it does for two reasons. One, uh, the, the players always side with the money. If, if a guy is fighting for what he perceives to be his, his just due, they're going to back him because who knows, someday they might turn into a superstar. Well, well really, that's fair enough, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, and, and the second thing is he's really good. Um, they they know, you know, I think everybody would prefer he's there. Uh, Marquise Posse even mentioned last year, he said everybody should be at training camp. What would it be like if Mike Tomlin didn't show up? You know, we know he can coach, but he's still here. Uh, but you overlook that stuff because of how good he is when he's on his game. I talked to Stephen Ridley uh, at the end of OTAs or the beginning of uh, minicamp. I can't remember exactly when it was, but, He's the guy that probably has the most gain from Le'Veon, most to gain from Le'Veon Bell not being there, and all he could say was, "Boy, we can't wait till he shows up." Now, given Bell's workload, his age, and his suspension and injury histories, am I right in thinking the Steelers have handled him exactly right? Go on year by year, even if it is expensive, and just getting the best out of him, and then letting him go once he starts winding down a bit. Yeah, I mean, at the end of this year, I think it'll be another, you know, another year of tread on the tire, and there are going to be some hard miles, wouldn't you think? And uh, he's had a lot of those already, and he's not the most reliable guy. Use him for as long as you possibly can, get what you can out, get out of him, and then move on. Um, you know, there's a risk you get rid of him too early, but at least you don't hang on to him too long. Is there any way Bell's a Steeler beyond this coming season? I I can't imagine. I think he's pretty dug in. Um, now I, you know, I haven't. Uh, been checking in with his representatives or anything of that nature, but uh, the Steelers thought they made him a pretty good offer last year, and he didn't take it. Logic would dictate that the offer would have to go down this year because there's another year of wear and tear on Bell, and he's not as valuable now as he was a year ago because of that. He's a year older. Um, I don't see him getting off of what he thinks he deserves. And and Mark, I, I tell you, I bet there's one team out there that pays him what he wants. Maybe only one but I bet there's one. You really think so? That was my next question. He wants 15 mil a year. You really think someone will pay him that? Yeah, somebody that stinks, that has the cap room uh, to exercise on it, that needs to make a splash to sell some tickets. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I, I do think he's a very good player. Um, I, I'm, I'm not uh, giving him full marks for the way he's handled himself on a lot of occasions, but uh, kind of like Antonio Brown, you overlook the idiosyncrasies and the eccentricities, and you just get on the ball when you need a play. We're talking to Mike Pursuta. He's the DVE Sports Director. You can also hear him on the Steelers pregame show.
on DVE and the Steelers Radio Network. Uh, it's early to predict the uh, nuances with the game plan, Triv, but how will the receiving workload be divided up? Because Ben seems to really like Vance McDonald, doesn't he? He does. Uh, that's, that's a guy that uh, has some game, too. Uh, last year was a funny year for him because he changed teams right at the end of the preseason, and it, it's, it's difficult to assimilate into an NFL offense at that juncture. But he had an offensive rep uh, prior to coming to the Steelers, uh, not as much as uh, the guy that got the concussions, and I'm blanking on his name, uh, the down-the-scene guy that hardly played. The, the San Diego Chargers guy. Now it's driving me crazy, too. Yeah. Everybody knows who we're talking about. McDonald is kind of that guy like, that guy 2.0. Uh, not quite as fast, but not quite the home run hitter, but uh, he can hit it in the gap and get a lot of doubles for you. Uh, I think he's going to have a big year, and I think he may have to, because uh, just for instance, what if uh, Juju Smith-Schuster regresses a little bit because he's a little impressed with himself after what he did last year, which was impressive. But uh, sometimes you see that sophomore slump when a guy has a season that uh, the type of season Schuster had last year. So they might need another uh, 1A alternative to Antonio Brown or 1B alternative if you consider Le'Veon Bell catching a ball out of the backfield, the 1A option. Well, Darius Green, by the way. Yes, thank you. I have Google right in front of me. You're handicapped by not, I'm assuming. Now, uh, No, I'm sitting here watching a movie about Woodstock. Uh, I wish we could trade places. Now, there were a lot of freaks in upstate New York in the late 60s. <laughs> there really were. Uh, hey, when you hear Keith Butler say the Steelers need to work on tackling, what does that mean? Uh, they're not actually going to hit more at Latrobe, are they? No, I kind of I kind of agree with Mike Tomlin. I don't know if you heard his take on that at the end of uh, minicamp. He said, well, defensive guys say that because they have to do interviews at this time of year and there's nothing to talk about. Um, by the way, people seem to like the covers of these off-season OTAs and, and these practices in shorts and all this nonsense. I, I find very little value in it from a uh, story-generating standpoint, uh, and even less from a football standpoint for veteran guys. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to buy Tomlin's uh, contention that uh, hey, you got to say something, so that sounds good. Well, no, I'm with you. I just wish he he wasn't as condescending when he said it. Then again. That that that's his way, uh, and he's good at it. Now, is Tom Bradley just a defensive backs coach, or given his background, will he have some impact, maybe hidden, on the defense beyond that? I think he's a defensive backs coach. Uh, I think Butler's the, the defensive coordinator, and I think Tomlin has a very active role in that job. And I think uh, two guys running it are enough, and uh, you need some detailed guys to carry out the edicts. But might not Butler bounce something off Bradley now and again, given his experience as a coordinator? I suppose it's possible. One thing that uh, Tom Bradley talked about when I spoke with him at the end of minicamp was he's got a lot of experience playing seven defensive backs. Uh, the Steelers have dabbled in that, uh, you know, oh so infrequently, but they haven't really relied on it very often, and I think that's the way it's going with uh, the drafting of Edmonds and with the lack of quality inside linebackers. Uh, and maybe Tom Bradley's got a fresh uh, approach to that, uh, given his experience with it at the collegiate level. Well, he must be a great teacher because you hear a lot of the DBs, they're trying not to compare Bradley to Carnell Lake, uh, Bradley's predecessor, but but they basically say in so many words, boy, what a much better teacher. 
He's certainly louder, Mark. Uh, <laughs> Boy, isn't he? No, and I mean, just you know, you know, Tom. We all know him in the media. What a what a outgoing uh, guy he is. I'd say bombastic, but that implies irritating, and it's not. It's kind of funny. It, you know, you, you always know when he's in a room. You, you hear him out there on the field, no matter where he is. He's bellowing out this and that, and some of it's just you know cracking wise. Some of it's getting on him a little bit. Some of it's coaching points. Carnell Lake, by nature, was a very quiet, reserved type of guy. Uh, he almost didn't fit with some of his uh, teammates, you know, the outgoing personalities and the bravado. And, and I think Carnell's a guy that it, it came very naturally to him, not that he wasn't a hard worker as a player, uh, not that he didn't put everything into it. But, uh, you know, I guess Ted Williams wasn't a very good manager, right? Sometimes when a guy's real good, uh, he's not the best teacher because he can't understand why you can't do what he did so naturally. Um I'll say this about the switch right now. Something had to change after last year. Um, they, they could not, in any good conscience or good faith, bring back that defensive staff and decide, yeah, we're going to do the same stuff we've always been doing. We're just going to do it better. The Jacksonville game was a fluke. It was not a fluke. They got undressed. Ryan Shazier ain't coming back. And there are a lot of questions to answer. What will John Bostick's role be? I'm mystified by him still being below Dirty Red on the depth chart. Well, I think uh, let's let's talk about the role of that position, the, the inside linebacker next to Vince Williams. I think where they're going with this is that um, they'll play two inside linebackers on first down, and maybe none after that. Uh, you might see uh, Edmonds, the number one pick, being the the nickel linebacker and the dime linebacker. Um, so if if that ends up being the case. I don't think it matters a whole lot whether it is uh, Tyler Matikiewicz or uh, John Bostic. Uh, Bostic, that signing, he struck me as a journeyman who's bounced around the leg, hasn't really stuck anywhere. I think the Steelers are his fourth or fifth team. Uh, they played Indianapolis last year. I, I didn't come out of that game raving about John Bostic, I can tell you that. <laughs> and Matikiewicz, it, it didn't get uh, legs around here, but there are a lot of people with the Steelers who were convinced things might have been different had uh, Matikiewicz not gotten hurt in the same game that Shazier got knocked out in, in Cincinnati in early December. Matikiewicz was the backup at both positions inside, and he is a good tackler and a good run game guy. Um, he suffered a shoulder injury that it prevented him, somehow prevented him from playing defense, but he could still play special teams. And I heard him explain it a couple of times, and I still don't quite get that, but... Uh, they they certainly would have preferred to try their luck last year with a healthy Matikiewicz uh, in lieu of not having Shazier. A quick Penguin note before we let you go, Triv. Uh, who was the most likely Penguin to get traded? Wow, that's a great question. Um, can, I, can I give you who's the guy I would be most willing to trade? Fire away. Kessel. How come? I think he's uh, mostly a one-trick pony. Uh, it's a big cap hit. Uh, he, he's a goal scorer who's never scored 40 goals. He's got a great shot, and there are times when he just refuses to shoot the puck. He had a lot of points last year, but a lot of them came on the power play. I think that uh, would be more easily replaceable. Um, and I, I think they could be better served with the cap space. Uh, maybe uh, I, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of teams wanting to take that contract on, but I'd certainly be looking to see if there was a taker. Um, Phil Kessel's a guy who's, you know, prior to Pittsburgh, he'd play a couple of years in a place, and then it would uh, 
kind of the welcome would kind of wear out and he'd move on and then the process would repeat. And I think that process is starting to repeat again. Uh, also, if, uh, if Sullivan is as agitated with him as uh, some of the reports would lead me to believe, then uh, I'm certainly all for making uh, things a little easier on Sullivan. Well, I don't think you trade a guy just because he agitates the coach. That's part of the job of coaching. Other than that, you make a persuasive argument. i got to tell you, what you said about the cycle repeating is right on the money because here's a guy with a ton of ability and pretty good numbers who was traded twice before he turned 28, and he's never happy. And he got 92 points last year, so I guess the coach deployed him in, in fairly effective fashion. What the frig does he have to be mad about, Triv? And furthermore, the Penguins made him, not vice versa. The Penguins made him. Before he came here, he was the butt of jokes. He was the fat guy that ate too many hot dogs. He was, but he scored, he scored goals. I mean, everybody knew the talent. Uh, also, you know, you don't see him play a whole lot of defense. You don't see him hit anybody. Uh, if he put that consecutive game streak uh, ahead of his well-being for the playoffs, uh, to me, that's a hanging offense. Um, you know, it, it, I'm not saying he's not skilled at scoring goals. He doesn't have a great shot. But uh, I think the Penguins uh, under Sullivan have become a team that doesn't just rely on their talent anymore. They rely on working hard and preparing and everybody doing the little things. Uh, you see the way uh, Crosby and Malkin played in the playoffs. They're down defending low in, in front of their net. They're blocking shots. They're, they're doing all the dirty work. And I just don't see a lot of that out of Phil Kessel. You know, if you're going to be a one-trick pony, I think he needs to do that trick a little bit better and a little more often. Good stuff, Trip. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, Mark. I'm going to go back to Woodstock. <laughs> well, by the time you get to Woodstock, they'll be, what, half a half million, million strong. strong. There you go. That's Mike Pursuta from the DV Morning Show. I'm Mark Madden. That's a good take by Mike Pursuta on Phil Kessel there. What do you think? 412-333-WXDX. Uh, a couple pretty big names in Pittsburgh sports. One just got a new job. One just quit his job. I'll tell you all about it in just a few moments here on 105.9. A couple items regarding Pittsburgh sports personalities and some accomplishment. Uh, Dan Bosma, who won the Stanley Cup as the head coach to Penguins in 09, uh, went to Buffalo, washed out there. Really hasn't had much success as a coach since uh, his NHL debut as a boss in 09, but he's now an assistant coach with the Detroit Red Wings. Now what that leads to, I don't know. Do I think Dan will get a chance to coach in the league again? Honestly, I'm not sure. He underachieved at a high-end team in Pittsburgh. He couldn't get a low-end team to any decent level despite getting Jack Eichel the number two pick in the McDavid draft year in Buffalo. Didn't get along with Eichel in Buffalo either, which does not bode well for him coaching a player of similar caliber in the future. But uh, at any rate, Dan's employed in the coaching ranks again as an assistant with the Detroit Red Wings. Also, congratulations to Gene Sterator from Washington, PA. Has officiated 15 years in the National Football League, retired today. Entered the NFL in 2003, promoted to referee in 2006, worked 12 playoff games, and was the referee at Super Bowl 52. So congratulations to Gene Sterator. Uh I know he listens to this show occasionally. He's a heck of a guy.
when I worked wrestling and was in the airport all the time on the weekends, I would see Gene in the airport quite a bit. He'd be going to his game. I'd be going to my show. Once in a while, I'd yell out, hey, Gene, who you got this weekend? Because, you know, referees aren't supposed to bet. And Gene didn't. I just was kind of having fun. But heck of a guy. Heck of a ref. Wasn't one of those showboat refs like that pipes idiot. Just made the calls and got them right. Uh, one of the best refs of his era. Gene Steratore retiring today after 15 years uh, as a National Football League official. I'm getting a lot of stuff on Twitter. A lot of people going haywire because Sean Rodriguez is starting tonight in left field for the Pirates despite hitting 153. Hey, don't blame me. I don't fill out the lineup card. If we're up to me, Slowpoke Rodriguez would have been DFA'd a long time ago. If you don't like it, don't go. That's apparently the philosophy a few of you are following already. Uh, Mike pursued it with a great take on Phil Kessel, I thought, and of course the two people wanted to talk about it hung up in the interim. I don't like to open a segment with calls. My IQ is the moneymaker. I like to get that out there right away. Uh, we're talking earlier about the World Cup and the pressure. Brazil responded to the pressure today after having tied their first game against Switzerland they were nodded 0-0 with Costa Rica going into injury time. But ex-Liverpool man Philip Coutinho scored, and then Neymar scored, and Brazil's now 1-0-1 and an entire nation, including some really hot women who don't wear much and have big backsides, breathed a collective sigh of relief. Uh, it's not working out that way in Argentina. Argentina's 0-1-1. And Lionel Messi, arguably the best player in the world, but I don't think so. Definitely Argentina's best player, and he's getting crucified. Mr. PK in the first game for Argentina. Uh, that was their draw. And now some people say, oh, it's unfair to just judge Messi by this. Look at what Messi does with Barcelona in the Spanish League. Okay, but Barcelona spends more than anybody but Real Madrid. Uh, Messi has Suarez, Iniesta, players like that to work with on Barca. Used to have Neymar. And despite Messi and his success in Barca, despite having all that talent to work with, that money to work with in Barca, Real Madrid has won the last three Champions Leagues. Real Madrid with Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, international football isn't a level playing field but it's more level than the Barca and Madrid stuff. And in international football, Messi is mostly disappointed. I mentioned earlier that uh, Neymar from Brazil uh, uttered a homophobic slur on camera during today's game. Uh, FIFA has not addressed that at all, and that's probably how they'll solve that problem, by acting as if it doesn't at all exist. Let's go to Tyler on the Parkway. Tyler, you're on with the Super Genius. Hey, Super Genius, how's it going? What up, man? Hey, just wanted to uh, ask you a quick question about Kunitz. I know he's not the same player he was two years ago, and I, he's not the same guy that can go up from the first to fourth line, but I still think he's a quality fourth liner that's definitely an upgrade over Coonhawk. Well, he's gonna score well, well Jason goals. Mackey said that uh, in the PG today on their website, but let me, let me bounce a few things off you. 
Who's the better penalty killer, Kunitz or Kuhnhockel? I feel Kunitz is. No, you're wrong. It's Kuhnhockel. Okay, and the fourth line is where you score penalty killers. Secondly, don't you believe that if Kunitz came to back to Pittsburgh, that at some point when things weren't going right for him, Crosby would want him on his line? Yeah, I think that would be the only downfall to bringing him back is that Sullivan would still try and bump him up and down the line. Oh, no, no, Sullivan wouldn't want to do it, but Crosby would want it done. And and I, I know Kunitz played on Crosby's line some almost to the point that he left. But he only scored two goals in the playoffs in in uh, 17, and they were both in the same game. And, yeah, one of them beat Ottawa in one game seven, and that's huge. But that doesn't justify bringing him back. So I would probably pass just because of the danger that Crosby would want him to skate on his line. I mean, I mean – would you move Gunsel off that line? Did you move Gunsel to right wing? He can play it, but he scored all those playoff goals playing left wing with Sid. Sid, in a way, and I'm a big Sid guy, he's got to let the whoobies go. Like, he wanted to play with Duper when they had a Ginla. He wanted to play with Kunitz as long as Cooney was here. Let the whoobies go. Oh, my, we're past the top of the hour. Well. Mike and Steve, I ask you, please stay on hold. And in just 30 seconds, we're going to talk about the trades the Penguins have to make, or maybe they don't. 1059X.